Sometimes in life there is good news and then there is bad news. And the good news that there's lots going on with the young people, the bad news that there's too few labourers. The good news the week just gone has been the children's last whole week before the summer holidays. The bad news, at least in their eyes, they still have to go to school tomorrow. The good news, we've bought a new paddling pool. The bad news, the forecast is rain for the summer. <laughs> well, at least the garden needs it. You know, we have good news, and then we sometimes have bad news. We have really good news. We have really good news to share. God loves us. God loves the world. The most wonderful news. God wants us to be his. And this meal that we'll share later on, of bread and of wine, is a reminder of the depth of that love God has for us. But before it's time for us to think of what's been baked and what is born in the cup, we have to think of the dreams of a baker and a cup bearer. And how when they had their dreams interpreted, they had good news and bad news. We don't know what the ins and outs were that led to these two people to fall from grace to end up in prison. Somehow they offended their master and they found themselves confined where where Joseph was being kept. These characters are not in the main prison of the king where there is a warder, which is the jail that Joseph is in at the close of the previous chapter. But they're under a sort of house arrest in the house of the captain of the guard. Now that's an interesting place for them to find themselves. Because in that previous chapter, start of chapter 39, we find that the captain of the guard is Potiphar, the person that bought Joseph from the Ishmaelites. Potiphar, whose wife falsely accused Joseph of attempted rape, which caused him to be locked up. And in chapter 40, verse 7, we see that the place of detention is described as being in his master's house. So Joseph is indeed back in the home of Potiphar. 
in this setting of being under arrest, the two servants of the Pharaoh still hold some authority. As although Joseph is said to have been assigned to them, it then says he attends them, which is as much to say he's got to be their servant as much as their guard. It always um, amazes me that Joseph's story gets as far as chapter 40. All the things that have befallen him on the way, let alone this return to the master's home. I would have thought a Hebrew man in Egypt, accused of sexual assault roughly 4,000 years ago, might have been immediately executed. But God's protection and providence are seen to instead advance Joseph. Time and time again, something turns out the right way. God's plans are brought forward. When we see things failing, God can rescue that situation and bring a new way out of it. Now, of course, being in jail for a crime you did not commit is rarely thought of as good news. But as opposed to what it could have been, it certainly is. And in response, Joseph remains committed to God. Things go wrong in his life, but he is resolute in his faith. When they say that they've got dreams, Joseph trusts the Lord. He says, they can only be interpreted by God. Tell them to me. He trusts that God will reveal what the plan ahead will be. Sometimes we can't see the way ahead, but we must trust in God. Joseph attends to the servants. He sees something is troubling, and he responds in the natural way. But how often when we ask, how are you, do we really want to know? Do we want to know? Sometimes yes. Sometimes we're just saying hello to somebody. Oh, how are you? And how often do we respond? I'm fine. (laughs) But we aren't. We push the conversation onto another topic. The servants are honest in their reply to the question that has been asked of them in an honest way. Joseph cares, and they maybe sense it. We hear the first dream, and it's one of hope. Things are going well in every aspect of this dream. The cup is poured out and given to the king. The cupbearer is doing his job. It is all as it should be. 
Yet the cupbearer, the following morning, is said to feel dejected. He's down in the dumps. With a vision of hope before him. Every element. Buds, blossom, fruit, a filled cup, the presence of the pharaoh, the cupbearer still feels downcast. Said about whether we are cup half empty or cup half full sort of people. I'm not quite sure how that works actually. I, I was I was thinking does that it, the cup's half empty when we've already drunk half of it? Or is it when we're still pouring it in? When there's still room for more to be added? I was uh, I was doing the dishwasher the other day. As you have to sometimes. It was actually um, just after home group and I was putting the cups in. And I was thinking, now it's half full. Everything in there is a bit dirty. And it still has to take more stuff. And then later in the day, it was half empty when I'd got half the stuff out of it and it was all clean. I'm not sure that's still the same as a cup being half full or half empty. But there's something there. There can be a change. There can be a difference. And sometimes we are pessimistic. Sometimes we are optimistic. Seek what is the good angle. Seek what is the positive side of the story. What is it that could be done? What can encourage us? What can be the next step for you or for the church. The cupbearer was worried. And it's not until he hears it spelled out by Joseph that he goes, Oh, actually, this is good. We have a story of hope in Jesus Christ that should encourage us each and every day we will go through difficulties there will be times when there is illness either of ourselves or someone close to us there will be times when there is separation from a loved one times when we've been betrayed times when we feel loss of employment or bereaved in some other way. There might be matters which weigh heavily upon our minds and each of these things is incredibly hard to go through. But there is that positive thing too. That we are loved. Each one of you is loved by the Almighty God. Each one of you is cared for deeply. Now that's not to belittle the circumstances that we find ourselves in. But there is a positive thing that is always with us. The day will come 
when we are released from the prison of earth as we know it, when we are released from the suffering because Christ will come again. And what a glorious day that will be. We should not be dejected despite our troubles. For as we sung at the start of the service, you know, our chains fell off. Our heart is free. We have something to rejoice in. God's love. So take your faith and use it and apply it. And see how in those challenges we can share something new. We can look forward to that day of Christ's return because of the agony that Christ has been through. He took the weight of our sins upon his shoulders. The death of an innocent man does not sound like good news. It sounds like something awful. But there is good news in Jesus. Before the day, the night before that day of the cross, the night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared a meal with the disciples. And it was the family meal, the Passover meal, the meal for all of the descendants of Joseph and his brothers. All the children of Abraham. And it was the meal where they would remember how the prisoners of Egypt were able to be set free to travel to a promised land flowing with milk and honey. It was a meal of rejoicing and hope and knowing that there is a way ahead. But now, let's look at the baker's dream, where wicker baskets are being carried on his head, and he is attacked. My father was a baker um, when he worked, and his father before him. And he used to walk with wooden trays on his head. I brought... This is the bottom of a, a drawer that is no longer a drawer, but it's a piece of hardboard and I saved it. Um, so in the bakehouse, they used to have big wooden trays about this long, but about half as wide again. And they would be loaded up with pies or bread or cakes in the bakehouse. And then my dad would carry them out the door, down the hill, about 20 yards to the shop and go in the back door of the shop, down the lane. You know. And I can really picture the baker in the story taking the bread from one place to another, from where it's been baked to where it might feed a feast. 
Now, sometimes it rained in Langham. That would surprise nobody that actually lives there. Um, because it was ruling industry and it's hills surrounding. And yes, it rained. And there's an obelisk on the top of the hill. And we used to say, if you can see the monument, it's going to rain. And if you can't see it, it's raining. So sometimes it would rain and you would cover it over. But on a dry day, you know, everything would be open. Open to the elements. And uh, we never had a, a Hitchcock-esque The Birds episode. I imagine if it had been Brighton and you would have had the seagulls, you would have. But the baker takes his livelihood in baskets... It says that all kinds of baked goods were there. Some interpret this as every type of thing that the baker knew how to bake. Every type of loaf, every shape, every style, every type of cake, every pastry, every pie. You know, if you go and look in Humphrey's window sometime, you know, you can see the range of products on offer. One of everything up there. It's one of everything. Every skill he knew gets destroyed by the birds. This flock descends. And it's maybe a bit like the church in Corinth, where the guzzling and drunkenness by some at the Lord's table was unseemly and left others to be hungry. No sign of God's love being in their heart. How do we approach things in life? Do we do it in a way that reflects what God calls us to be? Or in a way that we take what's ours, whatever we can get, maybe a bit more than what's ours. And use it to glorify our purpose, to line our pockets, to do whatever. Sometimes we approach things in different ways. And sometimes we have different understandings. Sometimes as we approach the Lord's table, we might come with a heart that is ready to receive. And other times, we might not. And so we should weigh up where we are in our relationship with the Lord. But we also have to remember not in that process to be judgmental about others. That we have to seek the right path for us and seek to encourage others on the way. On the weekend away, during the time of Holy Communion, there was not 
the same thing going on. It wasn't stillness. We did something different. We lined up. And that might have unsettled some. We're not used to that Anglican thing where we come to the front to receive. We extend the Lord's table to each seat, each row. We understand we are each sat at the table. But as some stood in the line, there was an element of disorder, perhaps different from what we're used to. Perhaps it was also so in the upper room in Jerusalem. A table with a dozen guys eating any meal, let alone a meal where it was remembered putting one over on the Egyptians, is maybe not going to be quiet. I sometimes wonder just how solemn the Last Supper was. And also whether when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, he was referring purely to the brokenness on the cross that was coming. Or to the whole of his purpose to share God's love that was displayed throughout his ministry and sharing in meals and talking with people. At Pilgrim Hall in the relaxed atmosphere approaching the table. That was welcomed by some. But it made others uneasy. Not necessarily a lack of respectfulness. But actually witness to the idea of relationship. Relationship towards one another and relationship with God. That said... Also remind you of Paul's letter to that church in Corinth. He was concerned as to the matter of how the church approached the table. It's a time of togetherness, but also a time of not causing offence. So as the bread is broken and shared, a sense of peace and presence is to be felt. God is with us. sense of who are we and how do we come together with different interpretations a broad church of the church the cupbearer heard good news the baker hears the bad sometimes we assume we're being told bad news when we're actually being told this is just a different way to look at it. Sometimes we respond quickly in a way that if we think longer we find the right path ahead. The Pharaoh does not act on a whim. He takes his time. He waits for his birthday, but he brings the judgment that must be delivered. We are people who know the good news, who have the hope. We are cupbearers who must grow delicious fruit, fruit in our community, 
and seek that it is rightly harvested for the king of kings, bringing him delight. But the baker, in his dream, had obviously worked hard. He had used his skill, but he had laboured in vain because it was not the right thing. Whatever effort we have made, if it is for the birds rather than for the king, then all is lost. It is the way of the world to think of the work and for the profit. If we are building our kingdom rather than the Lord's, we will not like the judgment that will come. It will not be pleasant. We are to seek his way and trust in him. The world is full of people who think they have something good but don't yet have the good news. Let us be like the cupbearer. Let us grow the fruit. And let us be people who share it. Amen.